Hi, friends. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Courage Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Love, and today, another awesome guest. And I'm even more excited because she actually specializes in some of the things that I'm interested in, like Ayurvedic medicine. So, Amira, I, I can't even, I practiced this so many times before we came on camera. So, I connected with her through my podcast Facebook group and I was like, oh, I heard her story. Okay, we need you on here. We need we need more women talking about their struggles and what their breaking point was to let other women know that they are not alone in what they're going through. So in her past life, I love that you say that because I like to say my previous life too. And for over 10 years, she was busy climbing the corporate ladder until she hit her lowest point and she burnt herself out and ended up in the hospital. After she was released from the hospital, Amira went from specialist to specialist to try to find answers to the long list of the symptoms she was experiencing following her burnout. With each specialist appointment, she became increasingly disempowered as she didn't feel listened to and not one specialist was able to explain the root cause of her symptoms. Rather, they kept prescribing her, her more and more medication that yielded no results. And this has basically been the story of my exit from healthcare is that I worked in healthcare and it was this place of like, okay, this can't be it. This can't be the way that this can't be the way that we're supposed to live. I mean, it's just repeat customers, repeat customers. Let's slap a pill and a procedure. And I was able to ignore things for a certain amount of time because that's the environment I worked in until I had some of my own weird things happening too. Same thing. Luckily, I didn't hit that the point of burnout that you did, but I'm sure if I would have kept going, I absolutely would have. I had some weird health things going on. I went to my primary care doctor, got a bunch of labs drawn, and he just basically said, well, you know, less is more. Why are you taking supplements? Like, you look good. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I'm like, no, something's wrong. And I had elevated iron level, which is not normal for women. So I went ahead and did all my research, donated some blood, you know, switched things around with my diet and the way I was living, and I basically solved my own problems. But it was from then on that I literally could not ignore what is happening within that world that I was living in, which also made it that much easier to exit when the time came. But anyways, that's a little bit about me. Tell me more about this journey and Ayurveda for you. Thank you so much for having me on, first of all, and just listening to your story. Like every cell in my being is like, yay. You know, because you took your power back. No, you yeah. didn't. You stopped outsourcing your health to other people, and you were like, "Right, I'm going to get to the bottom of this." No, and I wish more women were kind of had that drive and determination. No, but um, yeah. So it's it's a pleasure speaking with you and connecting with you. So I actually didn't come from like a generation of Ayurvedic practitioners or even like a spiritual kind of family. No. I was just kind of an average Peruvian Australian girl growing up in corporate Sydney and um, until, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I hit my lowest health point. And this is because I was prioritizing different things in my life, like my career. You know, I was stressed out. I was probably drinking a little bit too much on the weekend. So I was living for my weekends. Mm. My diet necessarily wasn't the best and I was popping Panadols like it was candy, you know, and I wasn't listening to, to the whispers of the universe. 
I don't know if you guys have Tylenol, but I think you guys call it Advil. So okay, I was gonna say it's probably something everyday things. Advil, okay. I'm not doing heroin every day or something. No, no, it's just Tylenol <laughs> everyday pain relief kind of thing. So these kind of whispers came in the forms of little taps, you know, so like indigestion, weak immune system, hair loss, you know, and I didn't listen to them and I was pushing my body through it. And then it was like a little pinch, you know, so anxiety, hypothyroid, mm-hmm. uh, insomnia, candida, parasites, um, low body weight and amenorrhea. So I kind of lost my period for about eight months all up, you know. And then finally, the universe said, well, I'm going to give you a slap across the face because you're obviously not listening to everything else. And I ended up just completely being burnt out and, you know, having a whole host of vitamin and mineral deficiencies, you know. And I don't actually think there's a bigger wake-up call in life than staring at the ceiling of a hospital room and realizing, Mm. like, wow, I have no one to blame but me, you know. And the previous version was, you know, used to blaming my parents, my ex-boyfriend's work. And said, this is kind of on on me, you know? Yeah. And um, as you mentioned, each specialist appointment just, I became increasingly frustrated because um, every time the results came back, as you know, everything's normal. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably genetics. It's probably your age, you know? So all these things. And I was like, like, why is this happening to me? And they're like, oh, it's just part of life really no so they they didn't really uh there was no support there for me to be like okay wow okay maybe my diet has something to do with it maybe my stress levels wow okay but maybe my sleep so none of those conversations were brought up it was just like here's your prescription medication off you go next kind of thing no and um and I was like wow like I'm 35 Imagine what my 50s, yes. 50s, my 70s will look like. I can just imagine this, like, I was already feeling like that, like a little old lady who's popping her pills, like Monday I'm having, you know, 12 pills. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this is not the kind of life that I, I want to. No? And I could feel this kind of, like, frustration, disappointment, and uncertainty brewing up inside of me. And I was like, wow, okay, something's got to change, no? My job was making me sick. I was in the middle of a breakup. My health was declining and Sydney no longer felt like home. No? Yeah. Um, the only thing that I probably had going for me was that I had saved a substantial amount of money working in the corporate world. No? Um, but then I was like, what's the point of having all this money if mm. everything around me is collapsing? No? Um, so I kind of said, like, stuff this. I'm going to go and fulfill this deep desire. Like once I started to get better, I wanted to fill this deep desire of becoming a yoga teacher, right? But never in my wildest dreams did I think that that flight from Sydney to Bangalore, India would actually like change my life completely. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like a little bit how how that decision came about, you know, that frustration, everything brewing up inside of me that I was like, no, something's going to change. Well, and I love that you mentioned it was at 35 because that was huge for me. The same thing. 35 was like, okay, what the heck's going on? You know, I've been like fit and healthy my whole life. You know, I work out five days a week. You know, I eat generally healthy, very kind of paleo, right? Very outdoorsy. And then all of a sudden it just like, I couldn't control anything that was going on. Right. I started gaining all this weight breaking out a lot. And I've always had acne problems, 
but I just went to the dermatologist and they gave me pills and, you know, things that got rid of it for a while for like 10 years. So it was basically like every 10 years it would start to come back. Well, then I started like my hair had just been progressed, same kind of thing, progressively thinning. And I didn't feel like I had any gut issues, but I just kept like uncontrollably gaining weight. So then I kept, okay. So then I started working out twice as hard. I started doing two a days. Right. And I was like being even more strict with my diet and like, yeah, I'd lose a couple pounds, but that was it. And then I just like puffed up, you know? And so I started working with functional medicine doctor when, when I was in Southern California, then I moved out to Texas. And so we kept doing things, but like really nothing was really off even with functional medicine. Yeah. it was like, oh, okay. You have a little bit of evidence of like leaky gut, you know, but otherwise, like I even did stool tests and I had like really robust, like gut bacteria. So it was kind of like, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. So then I tried elimination diet and saw no changes. And I tried all these different things. And at a certain point, all of a sudden I started working with a um, holistic nutritionist too, and was doing like anti-inflammatory diet. I had to like really scale back on anything that kept me busy. Cause now that I wasn't working as a nurse, I was just socializing and traveling and having fun and just really enjoying my life. Right. But also lifting really heavy. So I really had to scale back on lifting in the gym. So then I started doing more yoga and I actually really liked different types of yoga, but I even had to scale back on like the power yoga, like the hot power and do more like yin and the stretch classes. And at a certain point in time, boom, all of a sudden I lost a bunch of weight. So it's kind of like, okay, what really did that? I don't know, but it was just a lot of really intentional changes of, okay, how can I get my body out of this stress cortisol level life that I used to live, which I don't anymore, but it takes a long time to undo all the years of stuff that you've done, you know, and our body can only compensate for 10 to 15 years. So at that time I'd been on birth control. That was another problem. I I did get off birth control. I'd been on hormonal birth control for almost 15 years, right? And then uh, I'd worked as a nurse in the hospital, same thing, for about 15 years at that point too. So it was like, my body was like, nope, we cannot do this anymore. So big changes had to be made. So tell me about the flight to India. What happened there? My initial like um, goal was really just to do my yoga teacher training. So I booked like that was like a full week. And then I said, oh, for two weeks, you know, India never really interested me. So I was like, oh, I'll just give it a go. Like whatever. No? And then after my yoga teacher training, I started meeting people and they were going to different directions. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to travel like the two weeks that I've got. No? So then I got really, really sick again. Um, but this time it was kind of different, no? So I was in a foreign country. I didn't speak the language very well and I didn't know who to turn to, you know? And then someone said, why don't you just try an Ayurvedic doctor? And I had heard about Ayurveda in my yoga teacher training, but it just seemed a little too woo-woo for me. Like, what? <laughs> Elements? What? That didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. My, my Western mind was like, yeah. yeah. Like, fire? Like, anyway, whatever. Uh-huh. But then a little voice inside of me said, like, what have you got to lose, no? So off I went to this Ayurvedic clinic. They took my pulse. They looked at my tongue, you know, asked a few random questions. Um, And then, you know, he said, like, this is is my diagnosis, no? And I bet you're experiencing this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, how did he know all of this just by 
doing these like pol pulse analysis, doing all these things that in, in my, you know, in my Western doctor would never like take my pulse and be like, hey, I think there's a liver issue going on. No? And finally, he, he had my attention. No? Um, so then he said, I think what would really work for you would be for you to check into this like detox program. So it's like a, it's what they call in, in Ayurveda, Panchakarma. So you go in there and it's a really about, you know, detoxing the body. No? And it was probably like, one of the best experiences of my life, but also one of the most challenging next to like a Vipassana meditation program or like ayahuasca ceremonies, no? Because it's not just about detoxing the body, but it's also about detoxing the mind, no? And you start to question friendships, you know, what am I doing with my life, you know? What are, and one of the questions that he really talked to me about was like, like, what do you think, like, why did you come here? Like, you know, like, are you enjoying your life in Sydney? And then I really started to question, like, is there more to life than, you know, uh, finishing university, getting married, having kids, paying taxes, and then, you know, yeah. living in a nursing home. And I was like, so all these emotions came up, no? But one of the major things that I noticed was during this program is that, you know, I was sleeping better. I was digesting food so much better. I felt calmer, you know, my sleep improved. I had more energy and my skin started to clear up. Like, holy shit, like I'm like 20 days into this, you know, thing and I'm like feeling so much better, I know. Um, and we only ever live in our brain. So we don't know what it's like to be someone else, no? So I thought all these symptoms that I had were normal, no? Because of everything else that my doctors in Sydney were telling me, no? It wasn't until like I started doing this program that I was like, wow, like, I feel so grounded. So this is what it feels like to like, not be in your head so much, you know, to sleep better and to do all these practices. And I was like, wow. And I remember on my last day, I asked him, you know, what happens when I heal all these digestive issues? No, in my mind, I probably thought that, you know, confetti would probably fall from, from the sky, or there would be a parade <laughs> in my honor or something. No? Glitter guns. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he said, no, you will, you will discover your dharma, no? So now, um, you know, five years later, I know exactly what he means, no? Because mm. I had to go through all those health issues for me to be like, come out the other side and be like, wow, okay, so this is what it's like. So I don't look at those health issues now as, as you know, wow, it's, it's a really horrible part of my life. I look at them as gifts, no? Because it's something that I definitely had to overcome, no? Um, and we all kind of have to go through our own dark, uh, you know, dark night of the soul to come out. Night of the soul. Like, wow. Like this is what good health feels like, no? Because when you have all these health issues, you're constantly thinking like, is it my diet? Is it my supplements? Is it this? Is it that? That it actually almost drives you a little bit crazy. You know, the doctors are telling me this, I'm doing this and nothing is happening as you know, no? Yeah. So. Yeah, and I guess with him, he made me realize that health is actually not the end goal, but rather it's used as kind of like a vehicle for you to yep. go and live your dharma, your purpose, your life's desires, no? So that was kind of like a big takeaway, no? Um, and right now, like through many ayahuasca ceremonies, like I particularly remember one where I felt so much gratitude for all the specialists who made me feel like I was going a little bit crazy no? because that actually gave me the determination, the kind of, all right, I have to kind of do this on my own because they're not helping me and I found this alternative medicine. No? So all those health specialists in Sydney, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> That's kind of my story. No? 
Okay. So you went through this in India and you got certified for yoga, right? Yeah. 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 And then how, what did you do after that? Cause how, how do you even navigate back into the real world after that? Yeah, so I ended up hanging around in Dharamshala where his practice is for another maybe three, three or four months um, because I felt really connected to this part of India, you know, and I started meeting people who were like talking about past lives and meditation and this and that. And I was like, holy shit, this is a world that I've like, we have a past yeah. life. Like I was, this is not my first life. Like what, what's going on here? So I started really like getting into this kind of world now. So then I traveled more around India, then I went to Sri Lanka, then Nepal, then Indonesia, and then it was time to go home now because it was around Christmas and I was like, okay, I've had a pretty good like, you know, heart opening, mind like opening experience. Um, but I ended up going back to Sydney and I started reading more about Ayurveda and it just kind of made sense. And I was like, wow, like, I really want to go and study this, not only because it helped me like in my healing journey, but I think there's got to be more to this, you know? So I, went mm-hmm. and I studied Ayurveda, particular focusing on the digestive system. Um, and this was, uh, yeah, like 2019 almost, no? And then 2019, I decided I want to go back to Peru because I want to reconnect with my roots there, you know? So I came to Peru and I started like doing this Ayurveda course online through this amazing um, academy in in America. So it was all done online and it was amazing. Met people from different parts of the world. And um, yeah, so I got certified as an Ayurvedic practitioner. And then I actually didn't know what else I was going to do with it. So it was the middle of the pandemic, but I just started posting all these things that I started learning through my Ayurveda course on my private Facebook, on my private profile on Facebook. You know? And I realized that a lot of people were going through these health issues. So not yep. just during the pandemic, no? people were constipated, people had this, people had gut issues, and they didn't know what to do about it. You know? And I was like, wow. And then my friend said, why don't you just start coaching? Like, you know, you're obviously giving all this information out. And I was like, what, me? Like coaching? Yeah, and yeah. Then I ended up getting a business coach. And yeah, so here we are, you know, like I became an accidental Ayurveda health coach. <laughs> nothing's accidental there are no random occurrences everything happens the way it's supposed to and the time it's supposed to yeah in the sense that I didn't know that I could turn this into a business no I just thought like I just want to kind of heal myself and that was it kind of thing no and then I started like I said no realizing that everybody was also going through these things that they don't publicly put on their you know on their social media pages no but then I realized like wow women are not sleeping well wow they're also having hair fall out. Okay, skin issues, this issue and that issue. So that kind of gave me a bit of inspiration to go and, and pursue this world of uh, being an entrepreneur. I love it. I love it. Okay, so what's your doja type? Mine is definitely Vata Pitta. Okay, so I'm a Pitta. I don't know what my secondary type is though. Yeah. But I definitely know I'm a Pitta. Yeah, so we all have the three doshas within us just in varying mm-hmm. right? So we have to be mindful of this and they vary, you know, according to stress, according to diet, according to season that you're living in. So you will never just be the one dosha kind of the rest of your life, no? So you will, you will, oh, okay. you will vary. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Okay. I thought you were the same kind like forever. That's why I wasn't sure. 
the idea really is to come back into balance, no? That like I mm-hmm. said, during all these external factors, one may increase, no? So the idea is to kind of bring that one back into balance. And that's the concept of eating with the seasons, right? Exactly. This is a huge kind of part of Ayurveda, no? And I do notice some of my clients, they're kind of eating the same thing all year, no? Like, because you, you get into this, like, kind of robotic mindset of food, no? Um, and, but the microbiome loves diversity as well, no? And loves to work with the seasons, no? So um, I don't know if I live in Boston and it's like December and I'm having a mango that's brought over from Thailand, that's not really locally sourced, no? So we, we really want to work with, with what's going on seasonally and the food around you. Interesting. Okay. So tell me more about Ayurveda and the doja types and how that impacts our life and our gut and all the things. Yeah. So what do you know about Ayurveda? Um, I know there's, I know there's the dosha types and then I know that they're the different elements and that the different elements affect the way you operate in life and the way you digest and all those things like that. Um, and that we all have different dharma, but I don't know beyond that. No. Yeah. Okay, cool. And I love this question because it's coming up more often. So this is like music to my ears to an Ayurveda geek like me, you know? So I would say that Ayurveda is probably like one of the most sophisticated and powerful health systems in the world, no? So the word Ayurveda comes from two Sanskrit words. So Ayur meaning life and Veda meaning knowledge, no? So Ayurveda means knowledge of life and it originated in ancient India. So we're talking about like 5,000 years ago, something like Mm. that. Um, And I love it because it's kind of having a comeback, no? And perhaps you and your audience are practicing Ayurveda right now and actually don't even realize it, no? So I guess if I could sum up Ayurveda in one word, it is about creating balance between the body and the mind, no? If there's anything you want to take away from this, it's, it's about that, no? So it's interesting, no, because in the West, we kind of focus very much on just the diet, no, or just mm-hmm. on the exercise, no, but that's kind of like one fifth of the component of it, no, because Ayurveda actually looks at everything, like you mentioned, no, so Ayurveda looks at lifestyle, mindfulness practices, relationships, no, and purpose, no, so if any of those are kind of out of balance, um, then the idea is to come back to balance, no, so and according to Ayurveda, we are all bio-individuals, no? which means that um, what works for me, Jess, may not necessarily work for you. And what works for you may not necessarily work for your next door neighbor, right? So we yeah. have to be really mindful when we're giving health advice to people because one thing could be really like medicine for me, but poison for, for other people, no? And we don't actually just digest food, no? We're also digesting emotions. We're also processing mm-hmm. events, no? So when you were mentioning that you were going through these kind of health issues, you know, a part of it may have been emotional, no, as well. Oh, so all this a lot. Weight. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, that's kind of like Ayurveda in, in a nutshell, no? But then those kind of um, – Ayurveda then looks at the five elements that are within us and around us, no? So found in, in Pachamama, Mother Earth. So they look at space, they look at air, fire, water, and earth, 
and then they go down to make the three doshas, which is vata, pitta, and kapha. You know? So mm-hmm. each of these doshas are characterized by a particular um, element. You know? So when we look at vata, for example, we can just call it the wind energy, just to make it super simple. That's my goal with Ayurveda, just to make it super simple so people understand. You know? yeah. So vata people tend to be kind of like very creative they think outside the box they're visionaries no so because they have that air wind element no but when vatas are out of balance this means that there is actually too much wind element in the body so this can come up as um you know racing thoughts not sleeping well constipation gas and bloating no so these are just some of the things that can be found within us so the idea really is to nourish the body and ground the body no because when you're having too many racing thoughts and this is what i come up with my clients no like or people that i bump into like one day they want to be like a photographer then they want to go and meditate in india then they want to do like a skincare range and you're like wow are you actually actually any of these so they're like no no so too many so the creative side is great no but there's not enough action and that's when the frustration comes through so that was what was happening with me like too many things going on up here no? i was like i feel like you're speaking to me right now specifically <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah okay. okay so the idea really is to ground because we always have to do the opposite when we're when balancing in ayurveda no so we do this through food so we want to have kind of like warm nourishing foods we want to incorporate good oils in our food. So, no ghee, sesame seed oil, amazing for, for vatas, no? And we also want to do really grounding practices, no? It may be as simple as, like, just placing your bare feet on the, on the sand, on the grass, on the earth, whatever it is, no? Looking at really restorative yoga practices, no? Because vatas tend to want to live up here. So, they want to go and do, like, aerial yoga or anything that makes them feel lighter when, in fact, they need more grounding. So that's kind of like vata in a nutshell and grounding foods as well. No? So have a look at, you know, sweet potato, beetroot, parsnips, carrots, and things like that that are going to ground you, you know, because vatas tend to be like, oh, I'm going to have like a, um, a smoothie bowl and a crunchy salad, no? which, is, which is not really working um, in accordance with their constitution. No? So they need more grounding, warm curries, soups, risottos, those kind of foods. So that's kind of vata. Do you feel like you resonate with that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This yeah. may resonate with pitta, which is the next one, which is yeah. fire dosha. No, so fire is um so when you are a balanced fire, you're a leader, you uh make great you're you know good at decision making, problem solving, um, probably really good in like managerial kind of jobs, no, because you've got that fire, that drive, no. But when you are out of balance, it just simply means that there is too much uh, heat in the body, no? So you can become angry really quickly. You can develop acne, so inflammation. So anything mm-hmm. that ends with an itis is fire, no? Is inflammation, no? Yeah. Um, you probably have, like, this notion of, like, meeting somebody and you're very, like, structured, no? So, like... I'm meeting you, Jess, at 2.22 on Wednesday and, you know, you're constantly, like, just very much structured in that way, no? And we have to allow for things to come up, no? So if somebody's running late or they cancel you, you, and the idea is to be like, okay, cool, no, that's fine. But a pitta would normally get really aggravated with these kind of things, no? So the idea is really to cool the body down. So we want to do this through cooling practices, no? So maybe, you know, increase your uptake of coconut oil in your food, no? Uh, maybe um, have a little bit more of um, cooling foods, no? So coconut water, cucumber, watermelon, those kind of things, no? So we want to really 
decrease the inflammation in the body, the heat, no? Um, and also look at meditation no? because we have to learn how to really manage our stress levels. Um, so that's kind of like fire. And then the last one is kapha. So kapha is the earth energy. No? So kapha people kind of tend to talk really slowly. They give definitely not me. Hugs. And probably the way that I'm talking right now is frustrating your audience because they're like, come on, get to the point of this. Now, this is kapha, the soft energy, grandmother energy. But when they have too much in their kapha, it means that there is too much stagnation. So we look at the characteristics of earth, no? So probably a little bit too stagnant, like I said, no? And if you were to leave like a bunch of kaphas at home, they would probably all be like uh, chilling on Netflix and just really, you know, indulging in food, no? So what we need to do with this particular dosha is invigorate them, no? So give them maybe like ginger, turmeric, so things that are going to really invigorate. And we want to do light foods, tofu, green leafy veggies, those kind of things, no? And kapha's really value from having pitta and vata friends, no? To get the creative side going, to get their fire running. Because like I said, no, if you leave them, they'll just be chilling, no? And they're very much, uh, you know, like to do their things. They probably have grown up in the same town, gone to the same restaurant every Friday, had the same group of friends, and they're probably in the same relationship because, well, you know, like they're looking for somebody else, whatever. So those are kind of like the way that the doshas work. I love that. So I definitely resonate more with the vata and the pitta ones for sure. And But I do find myself drawn to – what was the third one again? Kapha. Yeah, I do find myself drawn to women that are like specifically women that are like that for whatever reason because they do feel very like Mother Earth to me. And I feel like they do bring a sense of like calming to me, you know, where I'm definitely not the like really structured pitta, right? Where it's like, like today I have a lot of appointments, but for the most part, like that's how I used to live, you know, when I worked as a nurse where it's like 4.30 in the morning, hit the ground running, you know, go to the gym, then run to work and then run all day until I literally crash when I get home. So since I left healthcare, I don't live like that. Like, yes, I will, like I get tasky sometimes, but definitely more in the airy way where I am late to like everything. I mean, that I, I have, I have like legitimate time blindness. Okay. And I learned, I learned in a previous life because people love being late here in Peru. It's always like, Oh my God, you're late again. <laughs> oh, so I learned more about human design recently. And when you have different open centers, um, so I'm a manifesting generator. So that's also like all the energy because I'm fueled by, um, a defined sacral center. But one of my centers, I forgot which one it is, is open. So then it's like the time blindness. And I was like, oh, I feel that one to my soul. Because literally I'll look at my watch and be like, okay, I got 10 minutes. And then I'll start vacuuming and I'll start doing all this stuff. And next thing you know, I'm like 10 minutes late. And I'm like, how did that even happen? I don't even know, you know? But then um, during the summer, especially, I get really puffy and inflamed. Because I also live in Texas and it's hot as hell and humid. So I almost feel like part of me is probably not meant to live somewhere where it's so hot. I'm not sure. I'm still, that the verdict is still out on that. 
Yeah, but you can definitely bring that cooling practice down to your diet. Oh, I was obsessed with watermelon all summer. All I ate was watermelon and like cucumber salads all summer long. Like I had predicted what you would do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and because I look, I researched what, like, how do you cool yourself, you know? And that was that. And I said, okay, well, even more reason to be eating that. <laughs> yeah. And see, this is the kind of thing that is really amazing about Ayurveda as well, you know, because in summer, your diet would be very different to what it would be winter. You know, so winter, maybe your, your vata is a little bit more elevated. So we need to bring that one down with grounding grounding food but as you mentioned in summer like you're finding puffy so maybe your your kapha your your pitta has increased during the summer so we need to find ways to cool them down yeah and i do i do a lot of grounding i go outside and i walk barefoot out in my you know in the little patio area of my rv park in the little um yard area behind it so I do that pretty often. And then I don't start my morning like crazy busy. I only set an alarm when I have to be somewhere or ready at a certain time, you know, but otherwise I wake up when I wake up, you know, and I kind of just go about my day like that. I don't live like crazy busy anymore. But then there's like you said, where you kind of go the other direction with like too much air where it's like, I have so many ideas, but I have like zero desire to do them. (laughs) <laughs> that's when you kind of need a pitta partner as well, no? Because Ayurveda doesn't look at just your doshas, but it looks at every aspect of life, no? So one one thing about Ayurveda as well is like, you know, when you are kind of, you know, thinking about, you know, having a partner, look at their dosha as well, no? So are they vata like you, you know? Are you just going to, both of you are just going to come up with creative ideas and not action any of them, no? So they say for vatas, if you're a vata dominant, look for a partner who is probably more pitta or kapha. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a pitta, you're probably going to clash, no? Because you probably have that drive together, but maybe your project is more important than whatever, no? So you need to have a, pa- a vata, no? Who's more creative and then a kapha who's going to ground you, no? So it's really interesting. And even in in the business world, no? When we look at work as well, no? Like if I'm hiring a creative person, obviously I would want them to be a little bit more vata, no? And then my pitta person might look at my, um, maybe my, my finances, my everything else business-wise, no? And then my kapha would probably be HR, no? So even in those kind of aspects, we look at the doshas. Yeah. So since I've been doing podcasting for, you know, a little over six months now, love, love, love it. But the technical side of everything literally makes me want to like scream, okay? Because I don't want to sit at the computer for hours at a time and do all the technical stuff. I want to be the creative genius that's out in the world with all the people making the relationships and the conversations and, and, you know, putting the deals out there, that kind of stuff. Like I don't want to be the one doing the back end stuff. So that's actually where I've struggled a little bit in the world of trying to become an entrepreneur because all like the back end, like, Oh, build a course, do this. And I'm like, And that's kind of like, yeah, and then you, you, I would be more inclined to say, yeah, your vata is, you know, is your main dominant dosha from what you're telling me. You know? so, yeah. I mean, I would love somebody to go in there and do my lead generation, do this, do my website. Yeah. And I just go in, do my masterclasses, show up, give value, you know, and then yep. work with clients. You know? I would love to do more than that. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. That's, that's exactly my dream. So then I think about in terms of 
my future partner, that it is someone that is more grounded and that can actually bring some of this stuff to life, right? That I'm like, okay, I have all these ideas, but I also do have like a crazy amount of energy. So it's like in something specific, then yeah, I could do it all day long, but it's more of the specifics I don't want to worry about. (laughs) So somebody that wants to do the specific things that's more passionate about the back end side of things like bookkeeping and everything like no not a fan not a fan no nope. <laughs> oh my gosh we're the same person when i was like writing down the quality for one and a die i was like my dears and i want him to be like very like very thorough technical driven blah blah because i am not that stuff at all no like i want to come up with the ideas and i want him to get really excited and be like oh, i know that person that can help you with this i can do this I can, oh, there you go you go because that would be something that would light him up as well no and you know being that creative person is probably not his thing and that's fine well see i i know a lot of the people too though so it's just one of those things that it's like the details of it you know i'm good with like the umbrella part of it but i mean i've been saying this is like what i've been speaking into the universe that i'm ready to be in my witchy medicine woman era out on some property somewhere because i want to be creating in my own space. Like I, um, since I've been doing all this research into like Ayurveda and different, um, herbs and things like that, like I want to make my own, you know, lotions and oils and tinctures and, but obviously RV life doesn't exactly have, um, space for that. Right. So, and then I also want to be on property where I'm not around like a lot of the hustle bustle, a lot of the people, you know, it's like, I like my space and, my stillness and my like peace. And then I like to go into certain environments, right? Like I like to choose what I'm putting my energy into and then come back and have my own space and my own time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even then thinking about like a future partner, historically I've dated guys that are a lot more like me in terms of like very friendly, outgoing and very charismatic, but then it's kind of like that actually bothered me in a way because then there was no, but then there was no like chill. Then there was no like us just doing something together. And like, I'm a person that I want to like build things together, you know, and I want to have our time together and we can travel and do stuff and we don't have to be busy with people all the time. So then I actually was annoyed because then I'm like, like, I don't want to hang out with these people, you know? So it's just finding that balance of, Somebody that will be selectively social, you know, but not like they can't not function without all these people. Yeah. And it's funny, my friends and I were talking about this and we're like, maybe two years ago, we're like, oh, we want like a spiritual guy who like, you know, is open about this, about that or whatever. And then she actually had a guy like that. And she's like, look, I don't want to talk about my feelings all the time. I don't want to moon gaze. Like, yeah, I've got shit to do, you know? And I'm like, but that's what you wanted. The universe is listening and gave it yep. to you. And you're like, yep. okay, he's way too spiritual. Like, I want to be kind of like now with like a digital nomad who's more taken and stuff. I'm like, oh gosh, I love this. And this is, yeah, this is the kind of conversations that are, are coming up right now. No? So we want this, but not too much of it, but we want this and not overly because I want him to be open into the spiritual world and all the woo-woo shit that I do, you know? Yes, yes. Yes, yes, exactly. So it's like to be open to all these things, 
but not necessarily have to exist in one or the other. Like, because I like a lot of different things and I don't necessarily expect anyone to like buy into all that with me, just support me in my, my craziness of all the many things that I like, you know, but also want to live on property with me because I actually want to host retreats. So, so that's like what I want to do for that in the future. So somebody that's going to be okay with like people in our space in a certain way. Right. But like I said, selectively. And he can be okay with women like doing shamanic shaking and cacao ceremonies and yeah, having a red tent. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, absolutely. Heck yeah. Around the full moon and we got our fire in the middle. Like, absolutely. And that's, that's where I'm going to be at. That's like going to be my future. And I will make sure I throw the invite out to you. Cool. I love that mission. <laughs> okay. So what are some advice you can give people if they want to learn more about Ayurveda and if they want to learn more about their dosha type and just like where to even start with their own stuff? Yeah, I know the, the world of Ayurveda can be, you know, very, very um, overwhelming and complex because there's a lot of components to it. Um, but I think there, there's a few dosha quizzes you can do online. I think that would be my first step, you know, finding out what your dosha is. Um, and then from there, having a look at that particular dosha and working out, you know, the foods that would be like um, supporting you, you know, um, look at some self-care practices, you know, like some of the things that we love in Ayurveda, for example, as you may or may not know, is like tungsten you know so that's a huge I've been doing that yeah yeah oh my god I, I when I go away and I'm like I don't bring my tongue scraper with me I'm like oh I could <laughs> so um yeah you know having kind of rituals and and daily kind of routine because that's actually going to set you up obviously to have a great night of sleep but also just to get you in this structured day you know and not everything has to be to the you know to the t of like oh, every 10 a.m I'm doing this you no know? But the body actually really loves uh, structure, no? It's the mind that loves the freedom. So you need to learn how to balance both of those, no? So hydration is also very, uh, very, uh, really important in Ayurveda, no? And one thing that we love to have in Ayurveda is Ayurvedic Gatorade. So if you have, if you feel like you're kind of dehydrated a little bit, you know, if you've got cracks on your tongue or your skin, or your skin feels a little bit dry and, you know, there's that you're probably getting headaches, feeling a little bit tired, more than likely it is dehydration because you know? I think there was a study of like 70% of Americans are severely dehydrated, not just dehydrated. No? So, um, yeah, look at hydration. So coconut water with a sprinkle of um, salt and a pinch of lime and some grated ginger. I mean, that should get your electrolytes happening. No? So that's one what of if the you things. Know? What if you don't like coconut water? <laughs> Even just, to, just as long as it's like plain good water, no? So the idea is to have those electrolytes, no? And um, I know that people are going crazy over Celtic salt. That's one of them. But another one is um, bamboo salt, which is uh, what I'm recommending my clients, which has something like 68 minerals or something like that, no? So the idea is to have all these minerals in a day, no? I love coconut water personally. Um, but, yeah, if you don't like it, I totally understand. Strong. Makes makes me gag. Oh, really? And what about coconut oil? Um, I oil pool with coconut oil, but like to actually swallow it would be kind of weird. I have been doing um a shot of MCT oil. Mm -hmm. I know that's like the fractionated coconut oil. Um, I have been doing that a couple times a week, but otherwise, like in terms of what I drink, I do drink. I am very particular with my water. 
and I add um, a like a portion of a lime and a lemon and I squeeze it in my water and then I stir it in my water and then I will do like a little sprinkle of Celtic sea salt and then I suck on it you know and then um Redmond's real salt I will do some of that in my um they have like their own electrolyte stuff that I'll put in my water too great yeah that's one that was one thing that I noticed with my clients there's a lot of dehydration so and it's and it's about making small tweaks no I'm not going to tell you like go and do this like magical amazing ayurvedic kind of routine each day no but maybe build it up so one week you're just focusing on tongue scraping and then the following week you're doing tongue scraping and oil pulling no eventually getting a good solid routine and we also want to eat kind of um very much uh, at the same time each day. You know, we want to have breakfast at a certain time, lunch at a certain time, and then dinner at a certain time. No? Because the body is already getting ready to produce all these enzymes. And if you're having breakfast one day at six, and then at nine, and then at 11, and then not having breakfast, the, the body's a bit like, I don't even know what the fuck's going on. No? So we, it's good when you get the body into these kind of practices. No? And obviously sleep. Sleep is a huge component of Ayurveda. No? And in Ayurveda, we say that sleep is actually more important than um, exercise and nutrition combined you know because there's mm, so mm-hmm. much goodness happening in sleep and i notice a lot of my clients are sleep deprived you know so um, i'm working with some clients who are in that kind of perimenopause stage and one of the things is like sleep sleep seems to be the, a, a big component of why they're not feeling so great you know so if we can learn how to master our sleep you know having good sleep hygiene you know not being on the phone like right before bed so putting all these practices in place so we can get a great sleep. No? So you wake up the next day, you're feeling refreshed, you're feeling pumped and energized for the day ahead. No? So what are some other good sleep hygiene practices? Yeah, so I normally like turn my phone off like an hour and a half before I go to bed. Um, and we want to try and get to bed before 10 p.m. I mean, that, that's kind of your goal because then the pitta time starts. No? So the pitta is the fire. No, I don't know if you've noticed this, Jess, but I know that when I was so out of balance, it was like 11 o'clock and I had this sudden urge to like do my washing or to clean or something. No? Mm. This burst of energy after the time no? so if you catch that wave you're more likely to maybe go and have a snack no? oh i'm feeling something like you know like something small no and you're never feeling like something like oh i might go and have like a piece of fruit no? usually at that time you want something crunchy something salty something sweet no you're never like oh i could just do like a crunchy like apple no like you want biscuits or chips or lollies or something ice cream yeah oh ice cream exactly no yeah so we need to catch that wave before we hit 10 p.m that's to avoid that and then you get a good solid sleep no um something else that i recommend is um really not having too many electronics in your house in your room no in your house whatever in your office or in your living room is fine no? but I find a lot of people are having the tv on and then you know the phone is going then they're on their laptop no there's just so much distraction no? so we want to really create this kind of peaceful sanctuary in your room you know and something that I've started to do and I've started to tell my clients is um you know foam rolling just to release tension mm-hmm. from your body you know? yoga stretching or something else that I've been loving at the moment is called facial reflexology, which you do this with a facial wand. So it's just like kind of like a metal stick. And at the end, it's like a metal ball. So you just can put some oil on your face and you're just kind of getting different parts of your face. You know? um, and this actually really causes you to remain in a calm state. You know? So then you're kind of ready to go to bed. 
Um, and then something else that you can do is, you know, have a warm cup of um, milk before you go to bed, you know, um, whether you have a cow's milk or whatever, or if not, have a plant-based milk, put some um, ashwagandha in there, put some nutmeg, um, maybe some cinnamon, um, and then have that before bed, you know. So the nutmeg helps with sleep, the ashwagandha is obviously an adaptogen, so it's going to adapt to your body and it's going to help you have a great sleep, you know. I've been doing um, some tart cherry juice before I go to bed. Yeah. Yeah, with magnesium. Perfect. That's also a great one as well. No? But we want to obviously ensure that it's not too high in sugar. No? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I love that. I, I'm definitely, since I left my structured job, having any particular structure has, has been interesting because it's kind of like, I don't have to. Now it's like I could do whatever I want when I want, you know? So finding um a structure in my day has been fun because <laughs> I don't have much of that yeah but everything in life is about balance you know so yeah you, and people say to me as well like you know are you having an Ayurvedic diet like 100% of your time fuck no like I'm doing an 80 20 you know 80% of the time I am having this routine you know? I am hydrating and I am eating according to my dosha you know? but 20% of the time like you know I might go and have a pizza I might go and do something random, no? So I yeah. know that there are very much hardcore Ayurvedic practitioners out there, but yeah, I'm definitely not one of them. So if somebody wants to learn more about Ayurveda, like where would you recommend they start to to look into or navigate it through? Yeah, so go and find out your dosha. Um, and definitely there's great books online that you can download as well. Sahara Rose's book, which is called An Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, is amazing. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I've got something in my head right now. Um, and that's a really, really good way to start. So, yeah, have a look at books, um, do dosha quizzes online. Yeah, so I follow her on Instagram, and I, I've listened to quite a few episodes of her podcast, and it's been interesting to see her journey of, you know, Ayurveda and then coaching and, you know, her divorce and all that kind of stuff. But, um, and I've actually looked into like the Chopra Institute too. And I want to do one of those Ayurvedic retreats so bad, but they're so expensive. Oh my gosh. So expensive, but they seem absolutely amazing. So that's like one of my future goals is to go to one of those retreats. Yeah. And I think you get so much value out of them as well. And being with like-minded women as well. So yeah, I'm all for retreats. Mm, I went to... I've been to two retreats in the last year um, through Recharge the Soul and it's all women and it was super awesome and really fun. So then that's what's like inspired me to want to do that, like want to host it on my property, but to really uh, incorporate all the different aspects of like mind, body, and soul, right? Because I still very much am into like physical fitness and a lot of like fascial maneuvers. And I learned recently about, um, this like somatic emotional release practice too. And I'm like, okay, I would love to, you know, have the Ayurveda, have like all these different like tools in my kit to be able to offer these services that are very, you know, incorporate all of it because we're not just a body. We're not just a mind. We're not just a soul. And we are all having this human experience, but this isn't our first time around. And that's the thing is that our body holds on to all the things that we've experienced through all these lifetimes in our genetics and in our DNA. So 
we have to learn to like undo all that kind of stuff and release all a lot of the stuff that we're holding on to from all these past lifetimes and all the trauma and all the craziness that we've experienced because I'm sure you've been like a variety of different kinds of healers, you know, or different kinds of priestesses or witches in, in past lives, you know, because that's usually what draws us all to the same path is we've had similar life paths. And I've had multiple different, um, like Akashic record readings and it's all kind of come the same way where it's like, I've been different types of healers in past lives, but I've also been persecuted a lot for, speaking up for doing this stuff. So I found it really interesting that I was really drawn to want to start a podcast, you know, considering all like the things that I've experienced in my life. And I feel like this lifetime has really been about undoing everything, like all the conditioning, all the layers and really setting my soul free from everything that's been binding it for all the past lifetimes. Amazing. And how amazing that we're actually alive in this era where we get the opportunity to do this. Like, I don't think my parents, I, I don't think my mother ever said like, oh, how cool would it be to put a like a women's retreat together? No, but yeah. we're able to connect from pe with people from different parts of the world and create these beautiful communities, retreats or programs or whatever it is. No? I know. I know. And that's what I love about podcasting in general. And especially the Facebook group is connecting with all these different people that have, because I love so many different concepts and so many different um, practices of things. So to be able to have everybody on and talk about their different practices, talk about the different things they're passionate about. And it's been like just so valuable for me. And then for people listening, like my favorite thing is when one of my friends or family members listen to an episode and then they send me like, oh my gosh, this like blew my mind. And one of my sister's friends was like, wow, you like legit you like have like a legit podcast and I was like yeah and she's like she's like honestly I didn't even know what you were talking about half the time but you know I thought it was a lot of really good information <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know our soul must have at one point decided yeah this is the time we're going to reincarnate no and we have so much access to to information as well no so I know that people talk about you know the internet and whatever but I find like if you find the good side of you know being online or you know connecting with people i think yeah yeah just your business is going to like just take off no because you're actually speaking your truth you know you're speaking with soul kind of thing yes exactly and i learned in a class recently that when your soul is in alignment with your message sales are easy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so it's just navigating how to connect with that yeah, because before I was like teaching women about, you know, skin health and helping women with rosacea, I was doing burnout because I was like, oh, I can relate to them. I burnt out, but I wasn't enjoying it as much as I am now. So changed the messaging, changed my like my journey. And I was like, wow, people are like coming up, like just contacting me like, wow, I've got rosacea and well, you know, whatever you're telling me is, is, is relating to, you know, speaking to my soul kind of thing. Okay, so tell me about... When somebody comes to you with a specific skin condition, but then you are able to help get below the surface of that, how is it positively impacting the other areas of their life? Yeah, it's interesting now because skin health in, in Western medicine has always been about skin. No. Yep. Ayurveda likes to challenge that. And it's like, how about we look at the gut? No. How about mm -hmm. we look at inflammation? Yep. How about we look at the stress? How about we look at the way you're sleeping? No. 
So quite a lot of the time, women are very shocked that they've just been given uh, antibiotics or topical stuff from the dermatologist. And now it's having a ripple effect on their gut. No? And this is why I'm loving working with millennial women because millennial, <laughs> millennial women are dubbed as the antibiotic generation. No? Because mm-hmm. when you were growing up, if you go to the doctor and you'd be like, I have a sore elbow, they're like antibiotics, you know, I have this. Everything. Everything is antibiotic. Yep. And now, fast forward X amount of years, we're realizing all these repercussions of having antibiotics. No? So all these gut issues is what I like to get to the root, uh, you know, kind of get to the root cause of my clients and make them realize that the reason all of this stuff is appearing on your skin is actually think of it as a blessing because now you have the tools to be like, okay, maybe now it's a gut issue. No? So once it's resurfaced, it means that it's kind of coming up for you to do something about it. No? So no amount of antibiotics, no amount of lotions, potions, serums is going to help you unless you get to the root cause. No? But we have been programmed to do something fast. No? So an antibiotic yep. may help for four to six weeks and then you're back where you started. No? And then you go to a dermatologist and they're like, I'll put this cream. It may work for another two, three weeks and then you're back to where you started. No? So the idea really is to get to the, to the root cause of it. No? And rosacea and acne or anything like that is related to inflammation in the body. So what I normally do is I started to get my clients onto doing some um, testing with Dr. Stephen Cabral, who I absolutely love. So they do an at-home testing. And then we realize, like, wow, they've got H. pylori, you know, they've got SIBO, they've got IBS. And then there we go. No? So your doctor would never look at those kind of things. No? Mm-hmm. So through functional testing, we discover the deep layers of, of your digestive system. I love that. And then what are your thoughts on things like certain genetic things, like the mother effort gene mutation? Yeah, I mean, that definitely can be part of it as well. No? But when we look at rosacea as well, like one of the, like one of the reasons why some of us have rosacea, and this may be a, make gross people out as well, no? So there are little, little mites that live on your skin, no? And it's part of the, the microbiome of your skin. And they live quite happily, no? But with rosacea people, for example, those mites have actually um, accumulated and overgrown kind of thing. So this is why some people get rosacea, like in that instance, no? Rosacea can also come from families. So you sort of, you know, it's hereditary. So it just, it really depends. No? So you need to work out what stage of rosacea you're at, which one you have, and then how you're going to tackle it. Okay. So tell me about like, what would you do for that? I'm just curious because I do know some people with rosacea and I'm like, oh. Yeah. So this is where, where dermatology and nutrition would work. No? Because okay. those mites, you can't, there are certainly um, topical stuff that you can put on it as well. No? But then we need to look at the gut as well. No? So are we having, you know, uh, is there also candida in the body? No? Because that's going to come up on the skin as well. No? So we need to look at the, the state of the microbiome. And then through lab testing, we realize which, um, which microorganism has overgrown as well. No? So maybe it's the candida albicans. So we need to bring that one down. No? And when you look at candida, for example, people say, okay, so you're just cutting out, you go to the doctor and they tell you, you're just cutting out sugar, you're cutting out gluten, and you're cutting out dairy. You know? But Ayurveda also goes a step further and says, all right, what kind of fruits are you having? Well, I'm having mango and papaya. Okay, they're very high in sugar, and that's going to add to it. You see, it's actually feeding the candida. So we need to look at low glycemic index fruits. So we need to look at kiwi fruit, green apple, berries. So those are the ones no, that we need to look at. 
and also having um, a diet which is like cooling so coconut oil ghee you're going to cook with those oils then you might do some um, you know go to infrared sauna to get rid of all these kind of toxins from the body you know and then we may do some dry body brushing you know so definitely look at practices that you can do beyond nutrition as well because you know? i can give you an amazing amazing diet but if your digestive system is not actually absorbing all these like yep. maca from the from the andes of peru and salt from the Himalayas, like the most expensive salt from the Himalayas. Yeah. there's just no point you know because your body it's just really expensive tea you know and the idea is not to rely so much on supplements as well is like mm-hmm. it is supplementing a good diet no and this is what i what i want to drum into people no because people say like oh yeah my diet is so so but i'm just going to put the topical stuff and that will be fine no? or i'm just going to take um probiotics right because i've because you could actually be overpopulating one particular microbe in in the gut no? so you need to do kind of these tests not to overdo anything or underdo something mm, i love that okay so what are some simple steps for people to start with besides okay hydration we discussed that what else uh in terms of rosacea no in terms of just skin health gut health in general yeah I think like uh, I'm a huge proponent of uh, collagen. Collagen is, you know, really, really, really important. And I don't know what your target audience is in this podcast, but I'm going to go out there and say they're like 35 onwards, right? So this is when we roughly start decreasing our levels of collagen. And obviously you can do this through bone broth. But if obviously you're vegan, then you can get some like marine-based collagen. No? So I think collagen is super, super important. And I also, one thing that I'm passionate about is um, looking at your skincare products. Now, mm. when I was in the corporate world and I was going to these dermatologists or whatever, and they gave me like, okay, why don't you go to have a facial? No? And you go to the face, you go to have a facial and you come out with like 12 fucking products and you're like, okay, I've got a 12 skincare routine now. Okay, cool. No? Yeah. But we're not actually looking at each ingredient because then nobody really teaches you mm-hmm. this until you have people who are like really passionate about this. No? So we need to look at every single product that they're putting on there. No? And once I started like looking at these kind of products, my Ayurvedic doctor is like, like, do you even know why you're using these things? But I, I heavily relied on the cleanser and the toner and the elixir and this and that. And he's like, you don't even, you, one, you can't even pronounce these things. Two, you don't even know what they are. And once you like uh, a cream has fragrance, you don't know how many fragrances are in there, right? So through Ayurveda, I learned to keep it super simple and my skin like was thanking me for it because no? I wasn't pumping all these things on it. So like right now, what I love is just I give my clients an oil cleanser. No? So I give my clients an oil cleanser and they do that. Then they might just go for a good moisturizer. Um, in Ayurveda, we love oil. So we want to oil our skin. Mm-hmm. But the idea is to keep it super, super simple. And we can certainly do yep. this through what we have in our kitchen cabinet or in our fridge. No? I just posted something about like honey and kamu kamu with uh, jojoba oil. That being a really good mask. No? But I remember the days where I used to spend like, I don't know, $150 on an Estee Lauder mask. And I was like, I don't even know what it's doing it, but I've been told to use this mask. No? So looking at um, toxic ingredients in your, in your skincare products, in your makeup is super important. And the deeper you delve into this world, the more you're going to get rid of everything and realize that your once upon a time 12-step 12 12 step skincare routine now looks like three or four. No? 
and your skin is actually, uh, you know, facing you the best. Yeah, it took me a long time to kind of really find specific products that I could simplify with. And I did just start using a couple months ago oil cleanser. And my only complaint with that is it makes my roots of my hair so greasy. (laughs) (laughs) And I put oil on it at night. And so then I'm really shiny in the morning. So I try not to overwash it because it gets, it will get dry and then I'll be even greasier. So then I just try to do like a cool cloth in the morning, you know, just to wipe some of the excess oil off and then go about my day, you know, or like if I'm going to put actual makeup on, I'll wash it so that I don't have all the stuff from the nighttime and then put like a light moisturizer on, you know, before I put makeup on. But even then I just use like a little bit of powder, a little bit of blush and that's it. I don't put much else on there. Yeah, and it's just about keeping it super simple, no? And, um, you know, if your audience want to go to the Working Environmentalist group, they've got like a section on makeup as well and brands that they recommend as well. So along with the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15, no? So having a look at these things, no? And even looking at your deodorant, no? What are you using your deodorant? What are you washing your clothes with, no? A lot of these things can be made at home from the ingredients that you have, no? So... And one thing that like baffles me, people are still putting those um, dryer sheets on the, in their dryer you know, to make it smell nice. So all these kind of smelling things are really like just a sensory experience for us that actually don't add any value, right? So yeah, yeah. We're looking at like moisturizers and, you know, now I look at like, oh, purple moisturizer, it must be lavender. No, they've just put a shitload of products in there and dyes to make it purple, you know? So it's not actually lavender and your skin doesn't go wow lavender how amazing no your skin really yeah. knows about oil yeah yeah and I, that's really important that you mentioned to clean up the products because here's the thing is our skin is our largest organ and everything that we're putting on it is all just adding further burden to our liver to have to process because when it gets absorbed by our skin it goes through our liver to be broken down and if we're already you know exposed to toxic environments, right? Everything that's in our air, everything that, you know, like the water that we're showering with. I mean, like I have a dual stage filter on the outside of my RV. I have a charcoal filter inside my shower. And then I have a shower head that has like little beady filter things in it, you know, because it's like the water freaking smells and it's like super chlorinated, you know? So it's kind of like, Think about how many times a day we're showering or we're in that toxic water that we're absorbing and then all the things that you put on your skin. So then when you eat and drink, it's already so much more compromised plus any prescription medications that we're taking. I mean, I had no idea how long I was actually compromising not only my whole entire digestive system, but also my liver health by being on birth control, you know, and they're so easily just slap that on everybody as a freaking band-aid for everything and it makes me crazy or even the um the hormones a lot of my girlfriends are you know in their late 30s and they're done having kids and their hormones are all over the place so what are they doing putting them on birth control then giving them additional hormones outside of that and it's just crazy to me that I'm like okay so how are you supposed to function long term and being on that stuff just makes your risk of cancer so much freaking higher because it like increases all the growth hormones. Yeah. And I've also noticed as well, like there's not that much education on perimenopause. 
right? Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of women think that they go through their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and suddenly, wow, they have menopausal. It's like, oh, hot flashes. And it's like, no, like there are different stages before you get there. And it wasn't until for me, like I remember one day I was put on a podcast, I was having a shower, life was great. And then this woman says, yeah, no, because perimenopause actually begins around like 35, 36. And I was like, holy shit, like I'm like, I'm almost 40. Like, is it getting to me soon? No, but there's not enough education out there. Uh, so I think that's one, one takeaway from this as well. No, if you are a woman from your 35 plus, Start looking at this, no? Start mastering this period of your life so you don't get to, to menopause and are really suffering. No? I like my mother really suffered during menopause. I don't know what your your you know women in your family were like, but they really suffered because they didn't have that in that education, that knowledge of what happens beforehand, no? So a lot of the times you go to the doctor and the doctor makes you feel like you're going loopy and they're like, It's just part of life, no, and you're like, But baby, like I was so fine like a year ago, like what's happening now? Like why are all these things happening? So definitely more education on perimenopause need, needs to happen. No? And um, I'm also noticing with my clients that are having at-home lab testing, um, heavy metals, it seems to be a huge one. No? So they're eating organic, they're hydrating, they're doing all these things, but their mercury levels are coming up high. No? Aluminium levels are high and lead. It's like, and then you say like, oh, I was listening to a podcast and I said, but what's the safe range for them? And the doctor was like, zero. That is a yeah. safe range for yeah. titles, no? Once upon a time, they used to tell you, like, oh, if you're 20, it's okay. You know, now down to 10. Now we're relating that we should not be having heavy metals in our body. But a lot of us are having yeah. that through environmental toxins, water, makeup, products that you put on your skin, as you mentioned. No? So we need to be really mindful of this. Yeah, and then there's also a big thing about um, root canals and mm. – implants of any kind, you know, whether it's dental joint or like breast implants. I mean, I've had my breast implants since 2009 and I've seriously considered getting them out, but it's one of those things where it's freaking 20 grand. <laughs> it's $20,000 to get them out. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well that would definitely be something that I have to prepare for, you know, and, um, kind of like it was only like three thousand dollars to get them put in way back when you know say about um, fillings on your teeth as well like I don't know if you've done much research on it but when you do actually find a good doctor that can get it out they're not just getting it out with a normal lab suit like they go in there with like huge yep. like it's a whole procedure and you have to find somebody that knows how to do it no? So, and I'm like, and people are living with that, like in their mouth, but yet a doctor, a dentist who has to remove that has to be like full and they have, there's a whole procedure of them to yep. actually then go and get rid of it. And I'm like, that just blew my mind. No, It just, it just is a good reminder to like, you don't have to obsessively live in fear about everything, but how can you be more mindful about anything additional that you're putting in your body. And at a certain point in time, if you're able to be able to undo all that, absolutely, because then you're not fighting an uphill battle anymore. But mm -hmm. it's about the small everyday changes that creates that big change further and later on in your life. It's that compound effect. It's just what can I do every day? Like we said, be more mindful about the water you drink and okay, be more mindful about the products. Like that's not that difficult. And especially because we have all the crunchy stuff on Amazon. 
you know, like I'm not in a space to be able to like make my big buckets of my own laundry detergent. So I use Molly suds, you know, and I use vinegar for like everything. I, and I do like dryer balls. Right. So it's just things like that. You know, it's just little tweaks that you can make that actually save you money in the long run because you're not buying all this other stuff. Like you need way less stuff. Like, like you said, like with the laundry detergents, it's like, Oh, the little balls that they put in the washer and then the things they put in the dryer, like you actually save yourself money by just buying one freaking thing. And then some dryer balls that you don't have to replace for a long time, you know, and you put a little bit of essential oils on them and you're good. Totally, totally. And I was reading a study where people like we're actually living longer right now with everything with you know technology and everything we're actually living long, longer, but we're actually the health the unhealthiest society. So <laughs> what's the point of me getting to like I don't know ninety eight if for ten of those years I'm like completely suffering, you know? So yep. people like always take that argument like oh but we're living longer and I'm like yeah but like what's the condition that we're living in? Yeah, we may have more technology and health advancements and everything. But if my health is crap for the 10 years of my life, then what's the fucking point? Well, not just that, but then you're band-aiding it because that's the thing is that a lot of these health advancements that we're making are literally just keeping you like sick, dumb, and dependent because it's like, oh, you're going into kidney failure. Let's put you on dialysis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to live for another how many years, but you're literally glued to every institution in terms of, you know, you got to go to this place for dialysis as many days a week. You got to go here to have your fistulograms done and your lines put in. And I'm just like, that's not a way to live. So working in the ICU really, really put all that into perspective for me for what is a, what is a good quality of life, not quantity of life, you know, because it's like, yeah, we keep people alive for months and years on ventilators and on dialysis and on feeding tubes. And I'm like, but for what? And I remember thinking when I worked in the ICU, like, you know, if I can't physically taste food anymore, right? Like sit and like enjoy a meal with people. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want a feeding tube, you know, like what's the point of just pouring some toxic liquid into my belly, you know, to keep you alive. Right. So it's just really getting to that place where you're like, okay, what can I do to improve my quality of life and not necessarily quantity, you know? And so I have really reframed how I work out, how I do a lot of things just of like, how can I function more optimally where I used to go to the gym every day and be like, Oh, I'm going to be strong. I want to be strong. But I'm like, what am I trying to prove? You know, I want to be happy and at peace and you know, enjoying my life and feeling great and not feeling really achy and stiff and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's just like, that's just what I find interesting where it's like people, like you said, as we get, oh, you're just getting older. You're getting, and I'm like, no, bullshit. I don't buy that. I don't freaking buy that <laughs> for one minute. I don't think that we should have to live like that. You know, we, we get a choice with everything. Yeah, and I, I love this kind of new awakening of people as well, like, you know, um, standing up to to that system, you know? And like you say, like, now you want to go and have this beautiful property where more than likely you may grow your own veggies, you know, so you're not dependent mm -hmm. on somebody else, you know? So I love this 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 new wave of, of the way that we're thinking about, you know, the future of our health because we know 
you know, if, if anything, the recent events of last couple of years has taught us, no, that yeah. we need to be healthy and we need to be thriving. No? So if anything was to come our way again, we would tackle it. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay. So where can people find you to work with you? Yeah. So I am a little bit more active on Facebook. So if anything has resonated or if you want to come and tell me your big like takeaways from this episode, come and uh, say hi to me on Facebook, Amira Morales. Um, otherwise, I do have a private Facebook group, Ayurveda for Millennial Women. Um, so I talk about health and gut health and skin and everything related to, to Ayurveda for modern women. Um, uh, my goal is actually to really modernize it because Ayurveda has some things that, you know, that, that need to be updated. No? So, yeah, come and hang out with me there if this resonated with you. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I hope everybody enjoyed this. And I hope you feel as compelled as I do to go learn all the things about Ayurveda and to really clean up your gut because that'll help you clean up your life. Like always, I appreciate your time and for you coming and listening and tuning in with us. Make sure you comment, leave reviews, contact me if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or if you want to talk about something that you heard on the podcast, I would love to hear from you and I hope you have a great day. Love you and see you on the next one.